What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court for today, Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. I'm your host, Sean Murphy, alongside my boy, Jeff Ayafede. Jeff, my boy, good to see you as always. We're already at, at the end of November. We're almost at the end of 2022, man. Insane. Yeah, we're in the thick of things, boys. Over 20 games so far the Pistons season. A lot to talk about, a lot to evaluate. And uh, just kind of summarizes how long we've been doing this because it's already 20, over 20 games in. Soon enough, it'll be the end of the season. So things go by very quickly. Yeah. So, like, Jeff, when you say it's thick, is it three or four C's? I'm, I'm going to go with five. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a, a sturdy five. Man, you got to, man, at that point, you just got to get down with the thickness. But also, <laughs> speaking of the thickness, we are joined by the best Polish meat hammer in the land, my boy, Troy Sergei. Troy, in the first take, I called you an Indiana Hoosier, and apparently that made the service we used so upset that it crashed. So, like, I'm not going to do that again. But, Troy, it's good to see you as always, my friend. Good to see you, too. And, yes, I'm not a Hoosier. I cheer for the Michigan State Spartans, Sean. Uh, but, yeah, I'm living out here in Indianapolis. Go Pacers, kind of. So, um, well, I don't get why. All right. So, here's why I don't get why you're so offended. Because here's the thing. I came in, obviously, let's address. I'm wearing the Michigan hat, okay? For the first time in my in my adult life, in my practical life, because it's been 22 years since Michigan has beaten Ohio State in the shoe. Right. It hasn't happened in a long time. They finally have done it. So therefore, I'm here to commemorate that moment of Michigan overcoming Ohio State. And Troy gets all defensive of don't be saying anything about MSU now, Sean. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just celebrating what Michigan did. We're about to go also go by the by the way, we're about to go win the Big Ten championship. Which you are, yeah. Potentially go in the college football playoff and perhaps get to a national championship game. I don't know if we're gonna be able to do anything beyond that because of the depth of college football and how good Georgia is, because holy but that's a whole other conversation. Jeff, I don't I don't know. You know more about college football than I do, so you can tell me what their chances are in that point. <laughs> I like their chances. I really do. But hey, yeah. you gotta handle the big bad wolf in Purdue, all right. Yeah. Purdue, listen, the big bad wolf. Don't sleep on Purdue. I mean, but anyway, <laughs> you, don't, you don't overlook your opponent. You don't overlook your opponent. That's fair. This is a basketball hey, podcast. You're, you're not wrong. And things are getting good in the NBA. Games are getting more competitive. Playoff seeds matter towards the end. And and really, this time of the year, these games right here that we're watching, they're going to dictate um, if some teams are going to be a seventh seed or a third seed. Yeah, and uh, we are all here for it. Hey, at least yeah. we're not at least we're not national media, and you talk about the Lakers, even though they completely suck. So, guys, let's get into our first topic. The Los Angeles Lakers are currently on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but this is from Half Court, where we do talk all things NBA. But we start with talking to the Detroit Pistons. If you like that, be sure you like this video, subscribe to the podcast, and be sure to share with your friends but also be sure you join the conversation down below and be sure you're going to check in us out on all the other social media platforms because we're making a lot of really good short content you can check out on tiktok youtube shorts wherever the you want to find that but also you can follow us on twitter at sean Halfcore, at jeff ifrady and at troy sergey 44 but with that guys let's get into the conversation i want to start because uh troy's father a man that I, i've met in, in person a couple times now a very sweet man uh, said that he is tuning in the podcast and he wants to he wants to showcase, you know, this. And I knew Troy was good in high school 
I knew he made jokes that he kind of looked like Bojan Bogdanovic or that like his game is similar to Bojan Bogdanovic. I saw this clip and I'm full on convinced that Troy's just Bojan Bogdanovic. So with that, I'm gonna we're just gonna watch and behold, <laughs> Troy. Can you give the backstory like like who you're playing, like what this like? What, do you remember this game? Yeah, this is my tenth grade year. We're playing uh, Escanaba, Michigan. Escanaba. Uh, yeah, I scored twenty six points this game. Now uh, this oh. is three three of the twenty six here. Uh, my my teammate here at the uh, you can see him right behind uh, right below the basket. He has the ball and he takes a ridiculous layup, and it's going to go out of bounds. I save it at the last second. My buddy Jevons gets the ball, realizes I'm in the bleachers, get, takes it right back. I Bojan the three. <laughs> that's, that's money. That's that Kyle Corver. That's Kyle Corver esque right there. Dude, he's got the Kyle Corver haircut and everything, too. And the Bojan number. Yeah. That quick release. Oh, look at that. Right at the top. Uh, we just, oh, right. that is, that's Smooth. just fundamental right there. Smooth. Ooh, I appreciate Troy, we, it, Sean. I mean, Troy, I'm, I'm going to give you a brand new nickname that I'm totally just creating on, up on the on the spot that no one else has ever made up before. I'm going to call you the Big Fundamental. Wow, Sean, that's the most <laughs> original thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Guys, let's talk to the Detroit Pistons because there is a lot to discuss. It seems like in the world of Pistons land these days, it seems like it's one step forward, two steps back with the way this season's going specifically we're seeing guys play really well specifically Alec Burks and Marvin Bagley have almost been better than we even anticipated they would be uh according to James Edwards III the Pistons haven't lost a double digit game since Alec Burks has returned to the lineup and in addition Marvin Bagley seems to be improved on both ends of the floor He's playing really confident on the offensive end, and it seems to me like he's he's been better at hovering around the basket, and it seems like he's less of a liability on the defensive end. His block numbers are up from last year as well. Like he's playing, he, he's av- he's technically averaging four less minutes, and he's technically doubled his block average. Granted, it's from zero point four to zero point eight, so I mean, it's not like he's it's yeah, it's not like he's you know like prime. You know, like Dikembe hey, Mutombo or it's anything. It's better. It's better. But I mean, we we've seen and we talked analytically before that he's good at turning shots at the rim, right? It was yeah. just about him staying near the rim. And I think, listen, like he obviously when he played against like DeAndre Ayton, we were getting pummeled in the paint. But I mean, DeAndre Ayton just won Player of the Week in the Western Conference. I mean, he was pummeling everyone in the paint. But guys, looking at how they've played, it's a damn shame that we can't couple that with obviously with Cade currently with Ivy, but even now Bojan Bogdanovic out of the, out of out for quite a while as well, guys. I mean, people are going to say, Oh, well the Pistons are just tanking. They're pretty much just being forced to tank right now. Right. I mean, obviously they're going out and competing and still trying to win games and to their credit, they're staying, they're staying competitive. And getting better, it's just they're five and seventeen. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, and you're yeah. and you're looking for that player development. It's hard when you don't have Cade and Jay Nivey. I mean, you're still getting guys like Killian, Marvin Bagley. It, I mean, Isaiah Stewart goes out with that with that toe injury. It, it's unfortunate, but 
there's still a little bit of that player development, but you got a lot of veterans playing really a lot of minutes. And, and for Burks over the last 10 games, they gave you 16 points per game, shooting over 40% from three. I think uh, that's a guy that I, I would want here long-term, no doubt. Right. Now well, We saw some of that production too, of course, last year with New York with Burks and even really his whole Utah tenure uh, before that. And, you know, he's just, just a guy that – Right, it's yeah. always been, and, yeah. and I think with the role that he has now, especially with such an injury-depleted Pistons roster right now, we're able to rely on him in ways that he's never even really had in his career, even when he's been playing on you know good level, uh, solid role play levels on both of those teams. I mean, um, so yeah, I mean, I think Sean, that's a great way of putting it as far as the Pistons right now forcing to tank, because really what. We, the only way that we would have been even remotely competitive, like even the, the short conversations we had about potential play in team, like a 10th seed would have been high max performance from Cade and Ivy and Sadiq. And the fact that those guys aren't even getting minutes now because of injury, um, you know, the discussion of even that 10th seed is long, long gone. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, you look at the, um, you look at the cumul the cumulative injured list by teams. Uh, currently, if you look at the ranked of like of the most injuries by team um, by team in the league right now, the Pistons are currently third, tallied up with a total of eleven thus far this season. So, um, you know, I, I tweeted I tweeted out a list of all the players that have been injured. So, you know, like with that, that's just that's just the say. And I know we've talked a little bit about the health before, obviously with Cade, but you know. It, well, it does look like apparently Cade is listed. I mean, uh, or uh, Jay Nivey's listed as questionable um, for the next game on Tuesday. So as of this recording, Ivy could possibly be back in the lineup. And so with that, you know, there, there's still, you know, a lot of opportunity for competitive games. But guys, I mean, there is also the silver lining that this team does seem like they're going to be in, in like in for a potential top three pick in this lottery. Mm-hmm. And we all know how valuable that is. I mean, I can't lie to you. It would be a mother dynasty if Victor Wembanyama was in this lineup. I'm not stupid of that, right? But at the same time, I know that's where a lot of people are going to be looking. But again, I think you're look I think you're going to be missing a lot of really fun good basketball if you're not focusing on the now too because they were competitive as hell against Phoenix. Even with even with Alec Burks having to play the second point guard, they were competitive as hell against against Cleveland. Like they're they're playing better than they should be right now. Right, and and with that, the fact that we are playing better than we should be, I want to remind our audience too about this draft. We've talked about how deep it is, but even you mentioned the top three. Um, idea in this draft now you can make a legitimate case that if victor womanyama never existed uh projected two and three could easily be in any other year number one caliber players right the guy from bama forget his name and then the guy in the g league is it scott scoot scoot henderson scooty yeah yeah both of those guys in any other year than this year with such a deep draft would be a unanimous number one pick and the fact that they're in the same draft makes it unique of them going one, two, and three. So if we land a top three pick, we're basically landing a number one pick in any other year, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's uh, Brandon Miller from Alabama, by the yep, way. That's his so, name. Yeah. It's, it is, it is awkward though, because you know, one thing that, one thing that is interesting is if you look at the current landscape of this draft, 
if the Pistons hypothetically, and you know, like this is a this is a far further down the road conversation. This is just an interesting side note. If the Pistons don't get the number one pick and get the potential of getting Victor Wembanyama, they're going to be choosing from a from a lot of guards among the top of that draft class. So, would Detroit draft yet another guard? Is going to be an interesting storyline that we would have to look at down the road. But for now, I mean. Let's talk about the guards that we have in-house because, guys, Killian Hayes is balling right now. Mm. And, Jeff, you and I made a video earlier this week, you know, detailing about how, like, you know, he's just been much more crisp with his passing. He's been much more decisive with, decisive with the shot selection. But, guys, like, he's showing some attitude, too. Like, he's mm. fighting back. He's pushing back. Like, it's this is a guy that I've been waiting to see since he's come into the league. And it seems like... Not only is Killian growing up as a player, he's growing up as a as a person right in front of our eyes, too. Yeah, he's oozing confidence, man. And, and we talked about this in the video. I mean, coaches can take your confidence or they can give you confidence. And with he's Killian, oozing Devin, confidence. Oozing, oozing. <laughs> the last couple of games, I mean, the Killian I'm watching, I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow. Not only is he playing more confidently, yes, offensively and defensively, but the mentality he's approaching it with, like to your point, talking trash, uh, knowing the role he's playing, right? Your starting point guard, Cade's out probably for the entire season, so his role gets elevated, and there's a lot more of an offensive burden, defensive burden on his shoulders, and he's handled it very, very well. So for Killian, he deserves nothing but praise considering how he started the season and how poorly he was shooting. And we talked about it on the pod. Is it Killian? Is it – because people were quick to jump off the Killian, not saying there was a bandwagon, but very quickly to turn their backs on Killian and say, well, this, this experiment's over. Get rid of Killian. Oh, no, they, Jeff, let's just say it. They said he stuck. They said he sucked. They were writing him off. They said he was a bum. They were saying he was a bust. They, should, they said he should be out of the league. It's They're just not he fair. Be in the G League. It There's, really isn't. And this yeah. is like, what, 15, 10, 15 games in? And, and now look at the last this, 10 games. This, this one, played. Jeff, not even. It was 11 games in. It's just, it's. It's premature. We we said it was premature at the time. Allow him time to grow. Allow because we, we again he's allowed two and a half three years. But on top of that, how he started to be uh, in a role he was in two years ago, and now to be a guy off the bench, your seventh man with two ball dominant guys like Cade and Jay Nivey, he kind of had to find his role. He's playing a lot of off ball now. Cade goes out. Jay Nivey misses some games. And Killian, you you put the ball back in Killian's hands, and again he's a playmaker. He's making passes, and I know he's been doing this for three years, but. Just watching Killian, man, he is a beautiful passer. It's different so, now, though, man. So it, there's beautiful. something there's something different about it now. It's, just with the fact that he can also score, it makes his passing even more even, even more of a threat. Because now you're an offensive threat, right? Defenses have to respect that. And his passing ability, we know it's great as it is. But you talked about earlier in the year. Not only was it, he was struggling shooting the ball, but it, it looked like defensively getting a lot of personal fouls just – it, it just seemed like him struggling offensively kind of led to him struggling defensively. Now it's the complete opposite. He's playing better on both sides. So uh, all credit goes to Killian, but I got to give some credit to Dwayne Casey because he said it, his leash is very long. Killian needs to stop putting pressure on himself and just go out there and play basketball. Just go hoop. And he's done exactly that. And he's been playing well over the last couple of games. So, or really the last stretch of games. So all credit goes to Killian and, and the guys around him, man. He's, he's been playing really well. Yeah. I mean, Troy, if we've seen anything with like, with that, you know, with this season, you know, just in general, I think, you know, like we bring up the Laurie marketing case of like, you know, you don't write off anybody. Right. I mean, we we're, for God's sakes, we might see Geno Smith go to the Super Bowl. Right. Like that's right. like this is 2022. Anything can happen. You know what I mean? Like, right. and, and you know, like, yeah, like the first 11 games this season, 
Killian sucked. But ever since then, he's averaged 11.3 points, 5.6 assists, 3.5 rebounds, 40, 41% from the field, and 38% from beyond the arc. Even though that's not like, that's still not like amazing numbers. It's a far cry from both where he where he was in his career mm-hmm. and where he was at the beginning of this season. Like this right. is a drastic improvement. Right. It absolutely is. And that's uh well what I was gonna say too is you compare the guy from even four weeks ago to the guy now, it's a different guy. But I think the one thing that I see with Killian is he's learning how to score in this league. And really, we watch flashes of him before the NBA uh, overseas, uh, how he was able to score the ball. And I feel like, um, you know, if we watch some of those highlights and we watch the killing we see today, there's similarities, which is great. I mean, it's the same guy. I would hope there's similarities. But we haven't been seeing really that full potential of, of a top 10 pick the past two years. I hate to say it, but now we are. Now we're seeing a guy who, okay, now I see why we picked this guy at number seven. Um, his ability to get to the ball, uh, to get to the rim, uh, score, um, you know, in the paint, but also hit that mid-range shot. And that's a lost arc in this game. And we're seeing that from Killian the past few games, too. And uh, the, his confidence with passing the ball as well. And he just he looks like an NBA player. And that was my big critique of him even two or three weeks or you know, four weeks ago now um, was, man, this guy just doesn't look like he belongs in this league. But now yeah. he certainly does. And he's making and, and, and I- and on top of that, too, to put up, we had multiple games with three plus steals. Like this is a guy who defensively, we we can talk about how better the Pistons have been recently defensively. A lot of that credit also goes to Killian. I mean, let's be honest here. A lot of uh, teams they face lately, he's been doing a good job guarding the really the opponent's best player, uh, the best guard, I and mean, that that's kind of been his role. So for Killian, yeah, offensively he's looked better shooting the ball because that was the biggest thing. Changed his jump shot. He didn't shoot the ball well to start the year. Oh, is his jump shot broken? And to shoot 40% basically over the last 10 games, whatever it is, that's progress, like whether you like it or not. So, uh, again, Killian's been doing a hell of a job, man. Excelling at his role. That's all you got to do. What are you asked to do and can you excel at it? Killian's done that. Yeah, for sure. And one last thing. What the hell has Kevin Knox been doing, man? What the heck is hey, this guy? I, listen, Sean, Troy, we, we watched the Rico Hines footage. Big time. He looked, he looked like Kevin Durant in the in the Rico Hines footage. <laughs> this is a guy, another top 10 pick, though, guys. And I, made, and I made jokes about that at the time, and I'm going to be honest. I gave Kevin Knox some criticism early on. I, want, I didn't want to see any Kevin Knox. But I was watching- I was a I was an adamant Kevin Knox doubter. I, I firmly believed. Me I too. thought since he couldn't make it work in Atlanta, I was like, all right, well, he's got to be done. Nah, I, I'm starting to think Atlanta might not be as, as, uh, as you know, tied down as we thought they were. Because even Kevin Herter left Atlanta and went to Sacramento and looks <laughs> like, looks like Clay Thompson. Yeah, he's balling too. Kevin Knox, man, he's he's been playing really well. I got to admit it. Kevin Knox, my apologies go out to you. Early on in the year, I was, I was sick of seeing you on the court. But now, actually, I, I don't mind it. With all the injuries, Kevin Knox getting his role elevated, man, he's been he's been shooting the hell out of the ball. So, yeah. Kevin Knox deserves some praise as well. Yeah, for sure. And, Troy, that's been the most impressive thing, I think, has just been we know – that he could be an athlete. We know mm-hmm. that there that like with his with his physical attributes that he that there's upside on the defensive end. But the stroke of late has just been impressive and he's been confident. Right, absolutely. And I think uh, again, he's a guy that we know what his potential was going into the league and and some of these guys and I feel like you know, Marvin Bagley even too, you know, can put in this conversation of, you know, it might be the situation of wrong team, you know, going to and, and wrong fit. And with that, 
unfortunately, they become struggles. But also, maybe not just the wrong team, but they need that two, three, four years to get in the groove of what the NBA is all like. And I think Kevin Knox has gotten that, and now we're seeing his potential uh, rise. So, of course, yeah. I mean, he's a guy, too, that you know I feel like has flashes of what Brooks has been uh, for us this year, of just a guy that can score the ball at will. Um, and a guy that we can rely on to score the ball at will. We need consistency, especially with with guys injured like we do on this roster. We need some type of consistency. And if it's well, a guy like Kevin Knox that we're going to, I say it's go to him. Well, and even then, guys, we talk about like you know like writing guys off and you know saying definitive facts about like a, like what a guy's career is going to be. Kevin Knox is twenty three years old. Mm-hmm. Like. We're, like we're saying, like this definitive statement about what his NBA career is going to be or where he's going to be at. The guy's twenty three. Like I know. the the runway is so is so long and on that guy's salary. athletic on, on that guy's athletic journey. Like just as far as like what he has to go. And you but, took a flyer on him too. Like, mm-hmm. think, think about it from the financial side of things. Like how much Troy's paying Kevin Knox? Like even if he works out, you sign him to an extension, but a short-term extension. But he's playing well. well he's out, he's well, outplayed his his dirt cheap contract. He, so yeah, far. he's he's on. Yeah, he's he's on a two-year, six million dollar contract, Ooh. and the second year is a team option. So yeah, that's the I, worst like, case. The worst case scenario, he he he's out. You know, like that. That's and if all, you want that, depth, you get him at three million. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then if you want him back on a team-friendly deal, yeah, I'd take him back at three mil. Yeah, no question. Yeah, and then from there, you could talk about a team-friendly extension from there as well. So, yeah, man, I think there's still, like, a lot of really good basketball being played. And, you know, another guy, you know, that's going to be stepping up, you know, Isaiah Livers, I'm excited to see what he's going to do with the elevated role, you know, stepping stepping in for Bojan uh, seemingly in that starting spot. I've been impressed, you know, like Jeff, we talked about this a little bit in our video as well. I've been not just impressed with like, you know, like Isaiah Livers and like what he can do as like a jump shooter. And like, you know, even though he's been struggling a little bit on that end, I'm confident that that the shot will come. But his defensive effort and his defensive ability, I think he could be a top notch defender in this league. He, he's had two games over the last, what, five games with three blocks. He had three blocks against Denver. He had three blocks against the Cavaliers. Dude, he's 6'7". And you talk, yeah, the shooting ability, I'm not too concerned about. I think he's had a long enough career, especially at college. You, you know what he can do. I, I think he'll come out of that. But the biggest thing with Isaiah Livers, and this is the reason why I advocated for him before the season to even possibly be in the starting lineup, is because of what he does defensively. And, and again, give cre- credit to these guys for how well the, the team's been playing lately defensively. Isaiah Livers deserves some of that you know the piece of that pie as well i think what he's been doing uh his versatility his athleticism which is something i don't think gets talked about enough i mean he's getting chased down blocks the guy for for yeah he's a good shooter typically when you hear that he's a good shooter he can play defense you don't really see the other things right the the leadership that isaiah livers brings the athleticism he brings there's a lot of things i like about isaiah livers he's like i said in the video man he's he's a coach's player every coach will love a guy like isaiah livers he does all the right things he plays defense he can shoot the ball he can play off ball he's just he's great he really is and talk yeah. hey, from a financial side of things too second round pick i think john beeline made it like a requirement i was like all right guys i'll come to detroit on one condition gotta get isaiah livers if you get the chance you gotta like, get my boy i have to <laughs> yeah. and he was available he was available in the second round yeah, yeah. steal absolute really? steal absolutely troy, troy what do you think of his defensive upside i mean we talk like you know offensively like you know I, i'm not sure what his game can be i i think 
you know, like I, I think even if he's just a catch and shoot three guy, like that's still insane value in this league. If he can, if you can put the, like, you know, I, I don't think his role is ever going to necessitate him to put the ball on the floor on a consistent basis. However, if that is something he can develop, that's obviously a big plus, right? But what do you think of his defensive upside? Right. And I think that's a good way of putting it. But I think with Dwayne Casey as your head coach, uh, as far as player development, there's always potential for any area of the game with any player that we're talking about. Oh, for so sure. And Isaiah Livers is a hard worker, too. So right. I'm not putting so, I'm not putting a cap on him. I'm really not. That's where I'm getting at with it. So if you have the work ethic like Livers does, then you have the coaching personnel like a Dwayne Casey at your at your feet, but also kind of the accountability, I feel like, as, as some of the older guys like a Sadiq Bay and even a Cade Cunningham in your corner of knowing that you are these, you know, these guys backups in a way. But these guys are your teammates, too, pushing each other in practices, pushing each other in the offseason. Um, I, I think his upside is a true you know, role player, three and D traditional guy. Like, you know, it seems like so many players in this league uh, have a spot in that, in this league for that ex exact reason. So, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think it's, a, it's worth a ton, you know, diving super deep into, but I feel like with the right work ethic, with the right coaching staff and the right understanding of his role with this team, um, he is a five plus, you know, six, seven plus year NBA player. If he gets that right. Wait, Troy, yeah. don't say the right coaching staff because I was told by many people that this this these guys can't coach. That's, that's oh, no, I'm no, I am not one okay, of those. So wait, wait, yeah. they can develop players. Is that what you're saying? I'm I'm saying both. I mean, this is a gotcha. great coaching gotcha. team. This is a gotcha. great player developing team. Making sure, just making sure. I, I mean, I, listen, I was told. I was told something. Different. I don't know. <laughs> you were told somewhere on Elon Musk's app. Is that right? There? <laughs> yeah. The house yeah. that Elon Musk built. Yep, that's exactly it. I mean, listen, man. I I like I, I don't want to keep you know like harping on that point too much, but like at, at like again, what the hell do you want this man to do? Like where like like where's like where's the reinforcements, man? Everyone keeps going down. Like no, come Sean, on. He, like Dwayne should just be able to just throw it all together and just patch it up, and just let's go win forty games, fellas. Yeah, like like Dwayne, like Dwayne's just like, all right, who who am I losing tonight? Like like who's gonna be out for the season tonight? Like like just waiting, right? Man. Or hey, you you could be like the Rockets, like we talked about, and be 100 percent healthy and still suck. I mean, you could be them as well. Shout out to the Rockets fans. I know you yes. guys are tuning in. Yeah, so let's talk about them a little bit because <laughs> because they're they're an interesting conundrum because we we talk about how you know like we we're looking at like the bottom of the standings currently and. Uh, you know, like the Detroit, you know, just riddled with injuries. Orlando just riddled with injuries. The the Rockets uh, pretty much have their full roster. They they have everybody. They 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 just they they just suck. They're they're just not good. They're uh they're they're currently uh they currently have uh five wins. They're five and fourteen, and at the bottom of the Western Conference, um. Only teams above them, or, or uh, okay, every team's above them, but um, the teams that they're in the area of are the San Antonio Spurs and the Los Angeles Lakers. But I mean, guys, I mean, Jeff, you were talking about it. You were watching these guys are like it seems like every night they they're just arguing with somebody. It's just uh, it's it's an interesting culture over there, man. I like I I don't know. Like obviously, like if they got Victor Wembanyama, the talent ceiling would be super high, but like. 
the egos between Jalen Green and Victor Wembanyama would be insane. And and Kevin Porter Jr. as well. They need an adult coach. And I'm sorry, Stephen Silas. I, I got a lot of respect for him as a person, but and he's not in the greatest situation. But you need somebody like a a veteran to come in there and be like, listen. All this stuff needs to quiet down. We're going to win some games here. Because you you see, and I wish this would be funny too, and I was going to ask you this while you were talking, do beefs count as wins? Because they have five wins, but if you could count how many beefs they've gotten into over the last, you know, so far this season, you probably could add about four or five more on there. So they might be at 10 wins, to be honest with you. I, I saw the other day them getting into it with, uh, who was it? Uh, oh, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. Saw that mm-hmm. clip go around, they, you know, and then uh, Kevin Porter posted on a story, called him little man, Trey Young. It's like, dude, yep. listen, and that's, and it's not like Trey's never heard that before. But uh, yep. anyway. Uh, if you're talking to a guy like Trey Young, who's had the success he's had uh, in the postseason, and he's been a majority, the guy's a killer, a certified killer. You better come correct because you might have beat him in the regular season, but they're going to the playoffs, and you right. guys are probably going home. So again, before right. you talk trash to great players, just please understand who you're dealing with. That's why the Rockets. I like the talent they have. We're hey, listen. I'm a big Jabari Smith guy. Loved him before the draft. I like Jalen Green. Um, I like what he can be. Not a big Kevin Porter guy. I have respect for him, but I don't like the attitude he has. Well, but just, he's just not a point guard. He's not not a point guard. Uh, so Rockets got a lot of things to figure out. But yeah, I just over the last this season so far, you've seen all these things. The beast these guys are getting into. Like if the Pistons are over here just working, and I respect that, and that's what I love about the team we currently have. They don't talk; they let their games talk for them, and and I, and I love and appreciate that. Well, and you know, and, and, and Troy, like they they have some guys that are playing, you know, like some pretty you know, some pretty good basketball. Like, obviously, you know, Jalen Green showed the flashes and, and you know, has shown the, the reasons why he was drafted number two overall. You know, like, you could you could still make the argument that Evan Mobley is, the, the, you know, currently the better player, but even then, it's it's year two, right? right? But um, also, they have Jabari Smith Jr., who's looked okay. You know, he, he's, he's looked okay. Um, I, I, I think, you know, Alper and Sangoon is pretty good, but he's also not the greatest fit with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. Cause he can clog up the lane and those guys need space hey, to operate in the lane. Nobody's a fit with those two. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, that, that's uh, a fair point. They but, need a yeah, point guard. They do but also, they but do. also to, to, to Jeff's point, I think Steven Silas took the opportunity because he, I, I don't think he would have gotten a head coaching job. Otherwise, if the situation wasn't as bad as it was when he took the job. Right. Does that make sense? Like, I just, I just don't right. like, this is just a, a can't win situation for, for Steven Silas. And in my opinion, you know, I, I think this is just a team that's like just waiting to, to, to finally get that number one overall pick to finally give them some form of direction. But I think the reality is, is that I think you're seeing throughout the league, the teams that truly have directions are the ones that have cultures first. Right. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, the Rockets haven't shown that, especially I was mentioning uh, before we got on here, even last year's kind of chaos with that team too. Kevin Porter leaving one game uh, to go to the, to go outside, left the locker room, left the arena in his car, um, just stuff like that, that, that it, it doesn't seem like even the guys on the team, even the players with potential um, really want to be there or feel like that they're heading in the right direction. I mean, I just haven't seen any of the fan base or the players talk about what the future lies ahead. Um, You know, with the Pistons, we talk about that, right? The Pistons are under a coaching staff and an organization, even under, you know, Troy Weaver, who has the winning culture being built up and the characters being built too. And we just aren't seeing that in Houston. 
and uh, Troy. On top of that, too, what does Detroit have currently with their franchise player that the Rockets don't have with their franchise player? Leadership. Uh, Let's hear it. Yeah, leadership. Leadership. And that's why Cade is, and it will always be, looking back at that draft, the number one pick. Yes, he's the best player, but what he brings as a franchise player, Jalen Green is not that. Mm -hmm. He's not a leader. Those guys can score buckets and and be entertaining, but when it comes to accountability – that's why you take a guy like Cade Cunningham because he's going to hold sure. his teammates accountable. Uh, he lets his game do the talking. Guys follow him. He's a leader. Jalen Green, it doesn't really – it's almost like a daycare, to be honest with you. That, that's sure. kind of what's going on in Houston, and, and it's not attributing to wins. So, again, it's – they got talent, but they need a leader. They need leadership. They do. They got to right. get some veterans in there, man. True right. Veterans. Right. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I know that they're, you know, like – you know, in, 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 and I don't blame them in their in the fact that they're in the talent acquisition phase. And you know, for the most part, they do have talent. They do have pieces. But again, you know, like un, until they they make a definitive decision on whose franchise this is, you know, who's going to be in the backcourt. Because I think to maximize Jalen Green's talents and maximize his abilities, you need that floor general point guard and that guy that can handle the ball and put Jalen Green in spots and situations where he doesn't have to handle the ball all the time. I know he's the type of player that's going to want to handle the ball at all times, but I think we've seen, you know, like the the, the guys who are great scorers that can go out and truly like win championships are the ones that aren't handling the ball all the time, right. aren't the ones that are just going out there trying to play hero ball and score and just like carry. Like you need those guys around you. Right. Yeah. So it's, it, it's just one of those things where the roster's just, a, it's just a weird compilation, but it's a talented compilation. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. You need, you need, you need someone who can get you easy buckets. I think that's what Jalen green needs, man. I mean, yeah, he likes the ball in his hands, but he needs someone who can get him easy shots and, and Kevin Porter, he can pass, but is he a true playmaker to both of your, your point guard and your two guard are both shoot first guards. Like it's, it's, it's an awkward, that's why the Jabari Smith fit. We all talked about it too. I hated it. I absolutely right. hated it. And I love Jabari, but I didn't think he'd thrive in Houston. He's been struggling so far. So it, it is, it, they got talent, but it's an awkward, it's just awkward how, yeah. how they're all fitting together. It really right. is. 100%. Now guys, let's talk about the current landscape of the league where everything's at let's check in on the standings and like let's let's talk about just like the world the world of the nba because there's a lot of really interesting things happening so first of all uh on the western conference side of things it seems like things are starting to look a little bit more normal or as or as or as like as far as things go a little bit more like what we predicted at the beginning of the season because as as things currently stand uh let me pull up right here the uh standings in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns are currently the number one seed on a four-game win streak at 13-6. and six. Meanwhile, the Utah Jazz are currently on a four-game losing streak and are currently 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Mike Conley's been injured. They're starting to, you know, starting to miss a little bit more of their shots. They're, they were hitting threes at, a, at an astronomical rate to start this season. So it seems like they're starting to kind of, you know, you know, snap back to reality. Also, one more thing I want to point out, the Warriors, seven and three in their last 10, and they're above 500. They're going to be rising up these these standings very quickly. But guys, look what are your The Pelicans, thoughts? too. The Pelicans are rising yeah. up, Sean. Yeah, yeah, and that's the team Sean's been high on, and I think, I mean, there's no reason why they can't be a contender in the West this year, especially the way Ingram's been playing, too. We haven't even really touched on how well he's had 
yeah. uh, a season this year. Um, and uh, a little bit we've seen with Zion too. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. But guys, some teams that are currently, you know, in, in, in subpar situations are, are not where they should be. I mean, we're talking about like the positives in here. The oh, Dallas, Dallas Mavericks have yeah. been let's so let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks because it's interesting because I it, when when I when they got to the Western Conference Finals, it was pretty apparent that it was off the heels of just amazing play from Luka Doncic, but also I think a lot of people really underestimated how good of a basketball player Jalen Brunson is. Last, you know, last last spring around playoff time, when I was talking about Jalen Brunson and the potential of bringing him into Detroit, and obviously, you know, knowing what we know now, I'm very glad we went in a different direction. However, the reason why I was tantalized, guys, was because the guy was really good at basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just a good point guard. You know and, what? No, go on. I was just going to say, and it's pretty apparent, that Luca misses that guy that can handle the ball alongside him. And, and, and quite frankly, if you look at the roster, who's the second best player? Tell me. Christian Wood. I was no, I, I was, even then, is he? I was told Christian Wood, but now apparently Jason Kidd doesn't trust him enough to play him at times. So this is the problem with the Dallas Mavericks right now. You get rid of Jalen Brunson, and that's somebody that allowed Luca to take some plays off during the regular season and he can go beast mode in the playoffs. You're putting so much of a burden on Luca. Now, by the time playoffs get, get here, I don't think they're going to make it, but let's say they were, he was going to be gassed to be able to do what he did last year. So Jalen Brunson, he, he was so important as much as I, you know, listen, I was, I was a big on this and Jalen Brunson coming to Detroit, paying him that money, but his value in with Dallas cannot be undermined. I mean, he, he meant a lot to what they did for his ability to shoot the ball, play off off ball and just simply be another option. They miss him. They miss him so much. And uh, that honestly, for Luca's sake, they got to get him a, a two, a true two, somebody that can play alongside him. Cause it ain't, it ain't Christian Wood. I'll tell did you, you say Jeff, you straight up don't think the Mavs will make the playoffs. We'll see. Maybe they get in the yeah, play-in. I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go that route yet, I mean, but I, I know where you're coming from. Maybe they get in the play-in. I'll say that. I'm, if, if you're telling me will they make the playoffs, I'll say no. Maybe they get in the play-in. Maybe they sneak in. But if you're talking to me, do they stand in a seed? They're going to have to fight to keep that spot. I'll sure, say that. Sure. I mean, they're, it, so the only way that they get to – I mean, they, the way they get to the playoffs is through Luka Doncic, right? That's it. I mean, like, that, that's, really, that's really the only thing. That, that's really the only thing that they have. But I mean, at the same time, if you look at what he's, you know, if, if you look at like how great he is, like he, he's, he's capable of MVP level play. And that's not a question, but guys, we, we keep talking about the storyline with, with the Mavericks and the question and Luca, can Luca keep the, the foot on the gas? Because he's going, he's going to, to, to Slovenia every summer to play basketball for his home country, because if, if he doesn't, then they're not going to qualify, and it means a lot to him to represent his country, right? But also, on the other hand, you know, Eurobasket and, you know, the making it to the Western Conference Finals, like this guy's just been playing 30-plus minutes a night year-round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How is he not going to snap at some point? Like, like where, like where, where does this end? 
Yeah, and he's he's not and he's not some incredible athlete uh, in 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 terrific condition like a um, like a LeBron or something like like for Luca for him to put that much of a burden on him through 82 games and expect him to do that in the postseason it's just not realistic it really isn't not in today's NBA back then uh, maybe when you have that one franchise player that can that can do things for your franchise now it's a much deeper league you have teams that that have multiple stars it's just different now so for Luca's sake. They got to get him some help, man. They do. And it's this offseason to do it. Yeah. Well, they could trade for somebody, but who you're trading? I mean, well, (laughs) and guys, it just comes down to the fact that you can't let this turn into a a Dirk Nowitzki situation where you have this amazing generational talent for his entire career and he only wins one championship. Right. Right. I mean, like, you just can't, like, you just can't. You can't make the same mistake twice. No. Like, he's just. He's he's just an incredible player. He's just an yeah. incredible player. You got a guy that we we see once in a generation in some ways, as far as the the actual um, type of position, right? Like like an athletic guard who can score at will, who can rebound the ball, like a true all around point guard, like well, he is. When's the last time we saw a guy out of the draft, like just literally year one? be as effective on the court as Luca was LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. Like, like right yeah, away. Maybe just Dwayne one. Wade, but not. And, and elevate your team like that right away. Yeah. Probably. Well, well D Wade was solid, but he wasn't doing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like he, he was good. Like we knew he was going to be a stud. He, 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 he wasn't, he wasn't doing that. And yeah, I mean, who, and guys like Christian Wood, like we, we talk about like, like, and, and listen, like, you want to know what you want to know what you know what Jason Kidd's saying? Because I'll say it here: he doesn't try in the defensive end, man. He doesn't do the little things enough. He doesn't set screens. He, he's not a team guy. He's a bucket getter, and he doesn't do the little things on a consistent basis. Like I, I get that he's flashy. I get that he's a fun player. I get all like you know that you know he he has talent and he has upside. But guys, it's not a coincidence that he's only played on losing teams. It's just, it's not. Yeah. No. And that's what Jalen Brunson, that's the difference between Jalen Brunson and a guy like Christian Wood. One of them affects winning more than the other. And whether you want to keep Christian Wood, now it would be nice if you had Christian Wood and Jalen Brunson, but trading those guys one for one, letting Jalen Brunson walk and, and acquiring Christian Wood. I, I just don't know how you expected the same result or anything close to that with the roster that's currently constructed. So Mavericks got a lot of self-reflection to do this offseason. Uh, despite whatever happens this season, you still got to you, you gotta reconstruct this roster a little bit, man. Well, Luke is they, way too good to be in this position. He really is. Well, they, and, they, and they went and they, they did the temporary fix of, of getting Kemba Walker as the as the new primary as like as as like someone else who can like alleviate like the the pressure of, of being like a secondary ball handler right but from what we've seen the last time we saw Kemba Walker he wasn't really that great yeah. and e- even then is he going to fill in what Jalen Brunson did not nearly right and, and so you look at you know like they're gonna have to do something at the trade deadline and I'm curious to see if they go down the direction of getting a guy like a DeMar DeRozan or if they look at a guy like a Zach Levine. I, I wonder if they, you know, like I, I'm just curious to see like what direction they go because they tried having having the skilled big next to Luca, 
They, they've had the skilled guards next to Luca. I'm, I'm curious what like a guy like, you know, like a DeMar DeRozan who can create his own shot, who can enter yeah. the ball, who doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands at all times. Like, I feel like that would be an interesting fit. But at the same time, is that winning you a championship? Is that worth giving up significant assets for? Is that worth eating up your salary cap? Like that, like that's the thing is like, they just, they got to figure out something. But the other thing is, when have they ever had guys like come to, like come to Dallas. Like when have they ever been a free agency destination? Right. right. I mean, even when they were winning and having, having championship, um, you know, aspirations, even when they went to the finals in 2006 with Dirk, um, that was a franchise that they really didn't get anyone even that next off season either. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also speaking of, speaking of DeMar DeRozan, let's talk about the Chicago bulls. They're <laughs> currently sitting at eight and 11, three and seven in their last 10. And uh, currently, uh, Zach Levine looks like a shell of himself. DeMar DeRozan's good, but yet again, you can't really expect that MVP-level DeMar DeRozan two years in a row. Lonzo Ball, as of last week, is not running or jumping. I mean, guys, they're, they're, I, I mean, the Bulls, if they want to salvage any of this, they might have to look at blowing it up at the deadline. Like right. seriously, consider yeah. it because th this Vucevic trade, this Vucevic trade, guys, disastrous. And, and this was a team too that even when they put all the their pieces together last year, like I'm talking when we were talking about maybe early October 2021 before the season even started last year, and they just got a Demar Derozan, and we were looking at what this team is going to look like with Vooch because they made that move um, a few months earlier. We knew that they were putting all their chips in, and we knew that it was either this team goes to the conference finals, that's their peak, peak potential, and we saw them have a good start to the season, but then didn't even get past the first round, not even close, especially against that Milwaukee team. So, you know, this is a team that you would be a fool, and, and, and I say this towards the Bulls organization, to think that that had – automatic championship level potential right there. And then with uh, Alonzo ball, DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic, big three. I mean, especially with what the East is doing, you can't cash in when that's your only chips. Well, and, and the other thing too, it's not a great look when the very first year of their new president of basketball operations, he goes out and makes these moves, goes and, you know, does the Vucevic trade. Obviously, the DeMar DeRozan signing was a net positive. You know, that's been, you know, people called that the worst contract, you know, in the NBA when at the time when he signed it. That's clearly wrong. Like, that's clearly just not true. You know, Zach, Zach Levine has clearly been a bad contract. And there clearly needs to be a conversation about the bull. Like, you want to talk about, like, because, you know, I, I know people were talking about, like, whether or not the Pistons should look at their training staff. The Bulls medical staff should be on the hot seat and right now because guys not because how many times listen, I, I I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll, I I'm thinking about making a video at some point talking about my story with my knee and like my, my history of knee surgeries and stuff. I, I have a little bit of, of a little bit more expertise on knee stuff than most people do. And, and Brian Winhorse says that I, I firmly agree with that. There's no such thing as a non-invasive knee surgery. It doesn't exist. Lonzo Ball and, and Zach Levine both had non-invasive knee surgeries. Guys, how are you getting something cut inside your body and it's non-invasive? It just, it doesn't make, like, no. 
and, and, and I get that you're trying to do the quick fix, trying to find a way to get back on the court as soon as possible. But guys, how many times have we seen it now? Blake Griffin, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball. Yeah, taking taking shortcuts typically doesn't work out, especially with knee injuries. And I, I'm going to come at it from a different angle because I see where you're coming from, Troy, with this roster. I, I have a take where I believe that Lonzo Ball's injury – had more of an impact than I think people think looking at it and how much he meant to that team. Having, again, a true playmaker, someone who's excellent at defense. He actually improved his shot and could, and, and could space the floor. When he went out early last year, that was it for me. I mean, looking at this roster currently constructed, yeah, are they a championship roster? Let's be honest. A lot of rosters right now in the, in the NBA aren't championship rosters, just how it is. So probably only a handful. But I liked what the Bulls had. I just think losing a guy like Lonzo and not really having anything to make up for that. Yeah, you have Alex Caruso. You have – who's the young guard they have? I can't pronounce his last name. Ayo Desumu. That's who it is. Like, they have some nice pieces, but I just think Lonzo's impact, uh, it kind of gets slept on a little bit. But to your point, Sean, yeah, that medical staff, my goodness. Well, not only was, was Lonzo that presence that they needed on the defensive end, but – Guys, Lonzo doesn't get enough credit for. Like, obviously, he's not this amazing offensive player as far as scoring. He's a really good shooter. It's really ironic for the thing that he was made fun of coming into the draft, how good of a jump shooter he is now. But but it's really the fact that he's a damn good floor general. Like, like when we talk about like like true point guards, like one of the like he's like he's he's a quarterback on an on an NBA yeah. court, you know? And yeah. so how he was able to orchestrate that offense and put guys in positions like that's part of what made that team dangerous. Mm -hmm. You take that out. Who, who's their, who's their best, who's their true point guard. I would assume who's like, he's a good combo guard. He's yeah. not a point guard. Mm -hmm. Kobe white is not a point guard. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's a reason why even the Dallas Mavericks looked at Goran Dragic and said, Hey man, you were here you wouldn't be you wouldn't be playing just straight up and currently in chicago he's getting about 18 minutes a game about about eight points a game he's currently 36 andre drummond exists i listen man i just when you talk about basketball purgatory <laughs> the bulls are are the definition of basketball purgatory right now. Speaking of basketball purgatory, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Guys, we talked about how dog <laughs> this team was a little bit ago. But man, they just keep finding new ways to top themselves. As a recording, currently on a three-game losing streak, allowed 45 points in the first quarter. To the Golden State Warriors on their home court. And then in the next game against Kristaps Porzingis and the Washington Wizards. I'm going to look this up because I want to make sure I get this right. Kristaps Porzingis in the first half was allowed to score, which by the way, he scored a total of 41 points, his career high tonight. 29 of them in the first half. Only Steph and Luca have had a bigger first half this season. Seven or nine from the field. Six of eight from beyond the arc. Guys, the body language is terrible. 
Anthony Edwards looks sluggish and like he just looks out of shape. I I hate the outlook of this team, especially we talked about the only thing that could salvage it was Cat being a trade piece. First of all, one thing about making a Cat a power forward, you kind of just took away one of the things that made him special, and that was the fact that he was a perimeter mismatch on fives. Now, like, fours can kind of just lock him up super easily. But also, the other thing, he just had a non-contact calf strain tonight that looked pretty bad. So, guys, I don't think the Minnesota Timberwolves are even going to make a play-in tournament. I think it's chalked. Yeah. You Which go leaves uh, leaves room for the Mavs to come in, right? No, but we just knew uh, <laughs> we just knew that this team, um, unfortunately, didn't have what it took to be a true contender. Now we really like what we saw in Edwards, but to centerpiece your offense and your defense around Cat and Rudy Gobert, I just feel like how does this organization not see a recipe for disaster? Well, and the other thing too, though, Troy, they they really were betting on Anthony Edwards with this too. Like, I think they saw what he did in that playoff series last year against Memphis, and they were like, oh, he's ready. Right. But as as good of a player as he is, as awesome as we've seen him play, he might he there might be moments where talent wise he looks ready. The maturity's always been the, the issue with him. And that's been the issue with him. Like, not taking care of his body. Not coming into the season ready. Not, you know, you, you know, like there's the questions about his diet, which by the way, there's immaturity issues with Cat with bringing that up in the public spotlight, right? Like this, this whole thing's a mess. But then the, the whole reason, the, the, the entire premise of why this was going to work was the anchor that Rudy was going to be on the defensive end. And they can't stop a nosebleed right now. Mm-hmm. They're and pathetic. They're 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 pathetic. I got a lot of respect for Tim Connolly. I mean, he's when he was a general manager for the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, he built great things, but that trade for Rudy Gobert has got to be up there for one of the worst trades of all time. And that's a stain on his resume. But again, you trade for players, and let's just say, looking at it from a basketball fit, didn't really make sense. But let's say from Tim Connolly's perspective, he thought it'd be a great a great fit. The difference with the the Denver Nuggets and the Minnesota Timberwolves is you had Malone, right? And with the Timberwolves right now, Chris Finch, that's another guy. Talk about head coaches. I, I'm I'm sick of at this point. I don't like Chris Finch. I don't think he's a great head coach. Uh, I think I think that was kind of on display. If you can't figure out how to make these players fit, I know it's a terrible fit, but they look terrible. There is no offensive system even implemented with this team currently. And if you want to blame how it's constructed, if you want whatever you want to blame, it's it's a disaster with the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. And uh, the the fact that you think Cat could play the four and guard fours in a league that's going smaller, I got nothing for you. Okay. And good luck with that Rudy contract because it's butt ugly, man. And well, you're guys, for a couple more years. Who, who's the leader of this team? Great question. It was yeah, Pat I Bev. I would have thought Cat. I would have thought Cat. It, it was Pat Bev. Like, it should be Cat. They, they clearly want Anthony Edwards to step up. They clearly brought in Rudy Gobert to, 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 to be that veteran presence. Yeah. Again, I'm just going to put on the screen just, just – to remind ourselves what 
the what the Minnesota Timberwolves gave up. Oh my! They gave up gosh. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Bar, uh, Leandro Bomaro. I almost said Leandro Barbosa. That's yeah, a, me that's too. Uh, I, when I read that, <laughs> yeah, Walker Kessler, who, who by the way has actually been playing pretty well for the Jazz. Jared Vanderbilt, and then four first round picks and a pick swap. So essentially five firsts. Why? For this guy, Rudy Gobert. That's neat. I didn't realize the first round picks attached to that. And think about it too. Walker Kessler is averaging more blocks per game than Rudy Gobert. They gave up more firsts than, than the Cavs did for Donovan Mitchell. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ask, so. the, ask, ask the Timberwolves fans who they'd rather have right now, Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Man, like, dude, and like, imagine if, if they were like competent at negotiations. Like, imagine if they could have gotten Mike Conley in that deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that would have been way better. Like, way better. How did you not get him to just like, like, you couldn't have like thrown in like another second round pick to go get Mike Conley, like a veteran point guard? Ah, just trade the farm for Rudy Gobert. Guys, D'Angelo Russell, he's a franchise point guard, guys. Yeah, D man, he. I've always Sucks. liked D Low. Like, I've always liked watching him, but yeah. You're right. I think the point you made about who's the leader on this team, I think that's a great point. Like, I, I, I'm i trying to still think of one. I, I really don't think there's there's a single leader. It should be Rudy Gobert, but all I hear him talking about is, can the fans please stop booing us? That is what yeah. his leadership Which comes is nuts. <laughs> so, Which uh, is nuts. Yes, it is. It is completely nuts. So, Jeff, I want you – I want you – I don't want you to, uh, to participate in this because you know the answer to this. Um <laughs> because we did this yesterday together and okay. so Troy, I want you to do this exercise. Okay. I'm going to name you two. I'm going to name the stat lines of two players. And I want you to tell me which player is better and, and, and what, and by what significant amount. Are you ready? I'm ready. I know where this is going, but I'm ready. All right. Yeah. So you, you have a sense of where this is going, but you know, player a 11.7 points, 8.4 rebounds, 73% from the field, 2.1 blocks. Pretty Sounds good overall. to me like, should I guess the player? No. Okay. Well, that's player A, all right? Player B, 13.5 points, 12.7 rebounds, 62% from the field. Uh, however, uh, his, his, block, his, uh, his block averages currently – are uh 1.4 so uh player a or player b Troy? even though he's shooting a little less than player a i'm gonna have to take b because he's uh contributing more on the offensive end at the end of the day and he is too uh a guy that uh is getting some boards double average but like but like is it is it like a significant difference no, no not at what, all. what about the contract sean all right so let's let's reveal which players these are all right so what if i told you player player a Made 1.7 million <laughs> this year. Okay. And what if I told you that player B was set to make, oh, hold on, let me find his contract, 35 million this year? Which player do you like? 
Yeah, now I change it to A. <laughs> so player A is Nick Claxton. Oh. And player B is Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it's pretty pretty shameful. And Nick Claxton is making one point seven million dollars. I'm going to be honest, Troy, Nick Nick Claxton was the first, like when I thought of somebody who might've been putting up the same numbers, that was the first, like there's probably multiple guys, a ton of guys in the NBA that are putting up similar numbers. That was the first one I thought of. And then the contract tells you everything. (laughs) 1.5 million. Yeah. (laughs) That's less than what Kevin Knox is making. Right. Oh my gosh. Less. I'm sorry, Timberwolves. Timberwolves fans, my heart goes out for you. It's unreal right now. But guys, before we get to like the like should he would he, I want to check in on the MVP race because it's been like a like a, as far as like seasons goes, like it's been a little bit weird. But like I don't know about you, but if I'm thinking about like my top three players right now, I'm thinking Jason Tatum yep. is on a different level. That's mine. Shea Gilgis Alexander is amazing. He's like I like he he's had like he rarely has nights where he scores less than 30 points. He's he's playing on another stratosphere right now. He could actually put OKC in the play-in tournament this year. I mean, SGA is electric, man. And he's then crack, Giannis onto the Kumbo, of course, has got to be in that conversation as well. Giannis has been sensational. I mean, mm-hmm. guys, you look at the you look at what the Milwaukee Bucks have been doing. They're 14 and 5. A week ago, they were 28th in offensive rating. They were still winning like almost every game. Yeah, I'm still picking Giannis uh, just because of how well the Bucks are playing. And just, I mean, when you thought Giannis could do no more, he proves you wrong, right? And for me, that just shows you everything about his game. And still who no he Chris is, Middleton, is, by the way. What's up? Still no yeah. Chris Middleton, by the way. Still no Chris Middleton. That so even more weight on the shoulders, and he's answering the call of that. So for me, it has to be Giannis. Um, Tatum, a good argument. Shea, a good argument. Throw in Joker there like always, too. Um, but you got to go. And uh, Nugget to a second seed, too. So uh, Joker's production is having some yeah. uh, results, too. So uh, I would probably put Joker actually my second and Tatum as my third. But, um, but guys, but, Jason Tatum, in a season after they make the finals, in a season going into the season, they lose their head coach. Right. They've won nine of their last ten. They're sixteen and four. Yep. And somehow Jason Tatum elevated his game to another level. Yeah, Jason he's... Tatum's averaging thirty and a half points. He's he's averaging four point six assists. He's averaging seven point nine rebounds. He's shooting forty seven percent from the field. I mean, guys, he's a freaking monster. I'm I'm going out. Of, that's my number one. That's my MVP. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Giannis deserves to be in that conversation, but Jason Tatum not only has the storyline to go with it, but how productive he's been. Like, even today, what, they put up, like, 120 on the Hornets in three quarters, and Tatum had, like, 40 of that? I mean, the guy is on another level with how he's playing. And you talk about, hey, talk about leadership. There's one of them right there, Jason Tatum not even the vocal leader, but goes on the court and and executes. I I was at the Pistons game this year. I watched Tatum put 40 on us. And I swear to gosh, man, watching Jason Tatum, he's so smooth. His game is so smooth. I, I love watching Jason Tatum, and I think he deserves some respect this year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he's number one for me, and Giannis is in that conversation as well. Those two guys, I think it's their MVP to lose, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I think they've been sensational. Keep looking out for SGA, though. 
he, I think he's going to be in the conversation all year. I think he, yeah. I, I honestly think SGA will get MVP votes by the end of this season. Mark yeah, as he word. should. No question, man. I yeah. would, I would bet a lot of money that he will be a future MVP if it's not this year. Right. Yeah. Oh, 100%. He's got and the then, game. He does. And then, and then you throw in, and then you throw in, you know, like another, like, you know, couple draft picks this year. You throw in Chet Holmgren yeah. next year. You throw in, you know, year three, Josh Giddy. I mean, guys, the Thunder are going to be fun as hell. Shout out, Cone. Yeah, right. I was going to say that. Cone will be happy. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and guys, another player that's been, you know, stepping their game up lately. I, I, I know we don't want to, you know, talk too much about the Lakers. And, like, we like we would all, and I know we said we would only bring up the Lakers when there were things that were worthwhile to discuss. And I feel like the play of Anthony Davis is worth discussing because he's only missed two games. And to his credit, he's averaging 26 and a half points, 12.8 boards. Guys, over the last month, he's averaged less than one three-point attempt per game. He stopped shooting the three. He's staying by the basket. Hallelujah. And, and this is kind of, of it, the New Orleans Anthony Davis that we saw, right? I yep. mean, he's kind of going back to what we've known him always to be. So I, it's good to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with LeBron out too. Like you have a guy in LeBron who has the ball in his hands. Yeah, you're going to step out and be on the perimeter. But with him out, Darvin Ham, again, give credit to him because that's one thing I think he was focused on with this Lakers team is, is getting that getting Anthony Davis to be that really the tough guy, as he should be, and healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think he's doing that, abusing guys. I mean, the guy's way too talented to be stepping on the outside hitting threes. I mean, he's – He's a he's a freak. We no one ever denied the talent he had. It was just really his availability and and really his mentality. And I think he's changed both those things. So yeah, well, Fred KD. He's yeah, because at the beginning of the season, one of the narratives was he needs to demand the ball. Yeah, and he started yeah. to demand the ball. And when he's done so, I mean, he he's been almost on another level. I mean, we 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 were able to watch when they like when they played the Pistons obviously you know it, it was difficult to watch because it's it's always sucks to see a guy go off against your team however i mean he was facing pretty much Jalen Duran and Marvin Bagley all night it was bound to happen uh Anthony Davis went for 38 and 16 against Detroit it was it was <laughs> it was like seeing i hadn't seen Anthony Davis that dominant since the bubble and so to see Anthony Davis playing that dominant level again because it, it's it's still not even and then the crazy thing with it is it feels like he could still go another couple levels like that's that's the amount of talent he has like you feel like he could go go further here's what i will say though anthony davis needs i I, i'm glad he's stuck stuck away from shooting the three because he really needs to because in the month of november he's he's averaged uh i believe he's averaged less than one three-point attempt per game and even then, he's still averaging 25% from beyond the arc. So he's a bad three-point shooter. He's the worst jump shooter in the NBA over the last two seasons. Least efficient. Mm-hmm. So just stop shooting shots. Stay by the basket. Dominate, damn it. <laughs> That's literally all he needs to do. Yeah, he's too talented. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So good to see him playing well again. And even, uh, you know, the, the the I know people are starting to talk about, like, uh, there's reportedly belief within the locker room that there are a couple players away from being a legit contender. I still call BS on that. I still think, I think there are a couple players away from being a legit playing contender. No, no, Sean, there are a couple players away from being a couple players away. I think that's the way to. 
that that is that is a great point. They they need an overhaul, man. Oh my god, that's gosh. how it is in LA. Really. Yeah, but Troy, you know what time it is, my friend. We are reaching towards the end of the episode, and it is time for should he, will he? Oh, what do you got, Troy? Yeah, I got a good one today. And I think we might have even talked about him a little bit when we did that Legacy series before Jeff came on um, about a year ago. Uh, but actually, I'm not 100% sure. But anyways, we are today talking about our man, ISO Joe Johnson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joe the, Johnson. The I do believe we did a little bit on him in the Legacy. We did. Yeah, I think we did We did Legacy. But the the, yeah. and the question of should he, will he uh, for Hall of Fame, I do not think we touched on that. Yeah, we probably also had like 16 listeners back then. So probably yeah, no one we got a whole that. new audience. Yeah, but. <laughs> but ISO Joe. I mean, this was a guy that played 20 years in the NBA. Yeah. Uh in the uh i i think it's a little generous to be honest with you because I, I don't know if i count the the, the uh, comeback year last year <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't count the one uh, the one game appearance he made and the one uh, basket he made <laughs> yeah uh-huh yeah i don't count that but i will say guy played good basketball for a long time multiple time all-star but hall of fame i don't know jeff I'm gonna start with you. Yeah, well, I'm, I have mixed emotions because I, I love Joe. I, I, that was a player that I even watched. I mean, even for him to be in the league as long as he was and mm -hmm. to be a seven-time All-Star, I, I think that deserves something because there's only a handful of players that aren't in the Hall of Fame that have seven All-Star appearances. But, but there's always a but. But always with with Joe, it's to for me. It's when you're looking at a player and you're trying to evaluate this. They might, and he had good years, a, a chunk of years. Those All Star years, Joe. That that's true, ISO Joe. But then there's those years following that, and, and then there's those years before that. And again, for Joe, I think winning matters. And for Joe, not to necessarily have a the the player that impacts winning. He was more just ISO Joe. He's entertaining to watch. A guy could get a bucket from anywhere. There's there's got to be some sort of, and I'm a little more harsher with the Hall of Fame. I think you know people can look at a player and say, yeah, Joe should make the Hall of Fame. I, 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 listen, you call me a gatekeeper all you want. I think Hall of Fame, guys that, that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, there's two things. It's winning and what you've done, accomplishments, in, in your, on a personal level, all-star games, uh, have you made all-NBA teams, stuff like that. Like for Iggy, he's won, a, he's won a finals MVP. Like there's stuff you can check off for Iggy. For Joe, you don't really have that, and, and that's why it's tough. So for me, I'm going to say no, he won't, and no, he shouldn't. But he's just – he's right there for me. I got a lot of love for Joe. I just think not winning anything significant kind of hurts his case. But I mean, seven-time All-Star, you got to put some respect on his name. You got I mean, it. He's, averaged, he's averaged 20 plus points a game five times. He really only averaged 25 once. Even at, like, the peak of his powers, was he a top-five shooting guard in the league? I don't think I so. I wouldn't not say that. With Kobe and D-Wade. And yeah, Trump. it was tough. Like, like, that's the thing. Like, it's like, listen, the guy, like, like numbers wise, if you look at his, if, if you look at his overall resume, like you go, man, 17 time all, I mean, like seven time all-star, like, you know, career, like 16 points a game was an absolute bucket, you know, has, has some pretty good highlights, was beloved in Atlanta, all this mm -hmm. good stuff. What's the, what's the signature playoff Joe Johnson moment? doesn't exist <laughs> his his career 
the his career in in the playoffs, he, he's he's averaged fifteen points a game. Like he, he's like, have, have they won like? How many series did they like? They, he's won a few series in his career, but like for the most part, he's been cheeks in the playoffs. Like they, like they've just like the Atlanta Hawks were the team that like if they were at the top of the standings, it was like cool. But like you know, they're not going to make it like past the second round. Right, right. Like, even, you, but even you, I don't even like, think he was on that team that was the first seed back in 2015. Like I, I never was scared of the Atlanta Hawks. Never. And, and like, I'm not trying to bash Joe Johnson here, but like, this is where we're getting to this awkward age of, of, of the league where like, this was after, after the rule change, you know, like in 0405 with hand checking. And this is when the boom, like the offensive boom started to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is when guys started to average more and more. This is where we get to stats, maybe being a little bit inflated. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think Joe Johnson is a good NBA player. I think he's on the brink of being a Hall of Famer. Should he know? What will he know? That's my opinion. Troy? Yeah, I'm also going to go with should he know. But man, there's that there's that inch of me that wants to go will he or will he yes just because of the the seven-time All-Star, the, the 20 plus points. For for so all those seasons, even that I think he averaged twenty six points. What one season? I get it's one season, but I feel like his longevity of what he means to the NBA and what he meant to the Atlanta Hawks and any Brooklyn Nets organization too. Even when he was when he was in his quote unquote downfall, it wasn't a massive downfall either. I I, I just just for the sake of being different, I'm going to go with yes, he will. But I'm still going to stick with both of you guys. No, he shouldn't. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of the reason that you guys brought up. Hey, listen, I, I got a lot of love for ISO Joe, man. You use him in 2K. Back then, he was cash. But still, do we make yeah. the Hall of Fame? No. I, I One of the know. best ISO players of all time. Yeah. No, no question. No question. Yeah. When you look at, like, the list of, like, like, like when you look at, like, the guys that are, like, on the outside looking in on, on the Hall of Fame, it's, like, you know, it's it's just a long list. And it's, like, yeah, like, you know, he, he certainly, like like, deserves, like, some love. But, like, does he deserve to get in there over Chauncey Billups? Right. Probably Does not. he deserve to get in there over Sean Kemp? Does he deserve to get in there over Rasheed Wallace? Right. Robert Ory, Tim, Tim Hardaway, Paul Pierce, some good NBA players. <laughs> the truth. Like there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of guys, man. Like, like all I'm saying, like, there's just, like, especially like, you know, like I, I understand it's like, yeah, like he, he definitely could. And, I, and, and I'm not like if, if he does get in the Hall of Fame, I'm not I'm not going to complain about it. I, right. I'm saying like I, I definitely enjoyed a lot of his time and time in his career. But at the same time, like it, it's, you know, what he was he was Bradley Beal before Bradley Beal. It's like, man, you are the star of a team. That I don't think will ever win anything. Yeah, I think he probably was a better teammate than Bradley Beal in a lot like of ways. Bradley Beal's like known as a great teammate. Well, no, like, I'm I'm saying him. I'm saying not like a nice guy, but I'm saying pushing your team over the hump as far as winning playoff series. And I granted, I know Bradley Beal had that one year uh, where they went uh, pretty far with the Wizards, but I feel like Joe had a little more consistent playoff run, even though they didn't go too far. I mean, but like. 
we're like we're getting to hardcore semantics and even then yeah. like even then the other thing too he had a better roster for like a longer time right like, I, right. like the one thing like that atlanta roster was together for a while sure and like you know what the weird thing was by the way with that roster is it always seemed like it was like hey how is atlanta gonna improve right we're like what are you talking about we're just gonna keep running this back right and yeah. just yeah. having the same team every year and not change anything about it and it, mm -hmm. the only thing they changed was their uniforms and every time they did they got worse and anyway, that's that's just that's the Atlanta Hawks in a nutshell for you. But uh, Basketball Reference currently has Joe Johnson at a fifty point six percent Hall of Fame probability so percentage. Kind of a, a flip if, of the coin, yeah. If he makes it, it's that seven time All Star man. That's right. that's that's a that's a resume to be in the All Star game for seven times. I mean, that's... right. But even then, like, at, like at a certain point, like what at what point does like the All Star game thing like really matter in the Hall of Fame conversation, like? it's like part of it's a fan voted that's it's just semantics you don't want to take accomplishments from a player damn it but, he did a lot of good things but you got a point mm -hmm. you, got you a know point. what though we're you, you know what's not you know what's not like joe johnson from half court we're like the michael jordan <laughs> of podcast damn it <laughs> but uh, with that man this is from half court reach and every week we talk all things nba basketball detroit pistons you name it we talk if you like it be sure you like this video subscribe to the channel be sure that you're following all of us on all of our social media platforms be sure you're following jeff on twitter at jeff ifrady troy i'm at troy sergey 44 and if you're feeling oh so generous follow your boy at sean half court but also be sure you follow us on tiktok instagram all that good stuff we out there we're making good content man but with that folks we want to thank you so much for tuning in we will catch you guys next time from half court be sure you subscribe